This is Andre Shudan of The Crew Process and the Eaglesoft Field Guide on Facebook. You are listening to Hashtag POD, Podcast of Dentistry with Dr. Panks. Dentistry.com slash squadcast. I believe everyone has a story to tell. And if you want to start a podcast to tell your story, the easiest way to start one is Squadcast. No special hardwares, no special softwares needed for you or your guests. You simply start podcasting using any laptop or desktop or Android phone and even a Chromebook in a browser like Chrome, Firefox, Opera, Brave. So, you may ask, how do you do it? Well, it's simple. As a host, you simply schedule an interview on your dashboard. Share that particular link to the guest and hit record to get studio quality audio. Done. Simple. No sign-ups needed by your guests. No special mics needed by anyone. And still get studio quality audio. There can be up to four people at one time, including the host. You can even see the video of your guests. Connect any earphone or headphones with mic and you're golden. When you're done, simply stop recording and everything with separate tracks is automatically uploaded on your dashboard, ready to download in no time. Most of the basic audio editing is also automatically done when you download. Well, guess what? This particular podcast was recorded on Squadcast. Do I not make any sense? Well, they do have demo videos on their website to show you exactly how it is done. I did use the support and they have best-in-the-class support. They are so confident in their services that they have even compared their services with other competitors. Another thing that gives me peace of mind is redundancy. That means that even if there is some error, you can still get the backup of all the recordings sent to you in your email through your dashboard. So, if you really like the idea of starting your own podcast, podcastofdentistry.com slash squadcast. The subscription starts only at $10 per month. You can cancel anytime through your account without making any calls or any change of emails. Super easy. Once again, to support this show, simply go to podcastofdentistry.com slash squadcast. Give it a try. Thank you for tuning in to yet another dental podcast at hashtag POD Podcasts of Dentistry. This is session number 16, which can be accessed at podcastofdentistry.com slash session 16. Hashtag POD strives to be a podcast where we try to unearth the smallest details of all the successful entrepreneurs in dentistry. So today we have yet another special guest. Miss Lynn Leggett. You have to hear this podcast if you want to listen to someone who is full of enthusiasm, positivity, and who would encourage you to be successful. This is indeed an inspiring podcast. She is not only a consultant 
at her company Victory Tunnel Management but also an author of the book called You Can't Coach Quit. We go into great details of her journey from the pharmacy tech to being an authentic dental consultant. She has been a successful basketball coach all her life and she shares how her experience in coaching helps solve layers and layers of critical issues in teams and take Dennis and take Dennis to a flourishing career. She is very relatable. And I think the biggest vibe you will get is that she's very honest and of course inspiring. We also talked about how to actually think about mission, vision and core values with examples. She not only shares her success stories but also her hardships in life, both personal and professional. By the time you're finished listening to the podcast, you will certainly be filled with positivity and inspiration. Of course, we talked about my version of Tim Ferriss inspired questions. My favorite part of the whole podcast. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. So without further ado, Miss Lynn Leggett. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming in. Um thank you from uh, our audience at hashtag #pod podcast of dentistry. I can I can go in different directions uh about about you. But I think one thing which kind of bothered me and I couldn't, you know, I, I usually am able to connect the dots, but I'm, I couldn't figure out, come on, basketball coaching, where the hell is that coming from? You know, and, you know, so, so let's start a little bit about you personally in terms of how you got into basketball coaching. And then uh, I think that there is a story there. I think I can, I can feel that there is a story there. Um. How did I get into coaching basketball? I'll tell you, I, I have coached basketball for decades mm. and I got into it. Um, I had multiple, as a player, I had multiple surgeries and I, uh, knee surgeries specifically, mm. and mm. I had to stop playing in high school, mm. but my coaches always impacted me and in a positive way, mm. one, not, not so positive. So mm-hmm. I've always been very um, attuned to what kind of influence a coach, in this case, basketball coach, can have over their players. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can create stress or take away stress. They can make a sport fun or not fun. They, they, they have all kinds of things. And when you consider the age group, whether you're talking about elementary all the way up to high school, it really can influence an individual and how they are raised. I mean, it's mm-hmm. highly, a coach has a high influence on a child, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I take that to heart. Um, how I got into it was a friend of mine asked me, because she was a point guard, and this is my life way before I ever had children. I was mm-hmm. recently married and, and she said, you know, you were a post player. Can you come coach my post players and I'll work with the guards. And that that's how it started. And that was a long time ago. And I just got the bug. (laughs) And once you have it, once you can connect with the player Mm. and make a positive impact on them, you want, you want to do it more, especially if, if you're good at it or if you're, if you, or you, or you feel like you're good at it. And, but when Mm. you start making more of an impact and more of an impact and, and the parents are coming to you, telling you, telling you how much of an impact you've made. Cause some girls, I have coached boys teams before, but I prefer coaching girls just because I think that that gender should coach that, mm-hmm. that grade, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from 
elementary school to high school, I think it's easier to have a female coach if you're female players because sure. there's more connectivity. You understand what they're mm-hmm. thinking. Right. Um, and, and girls are very interesting creatures. You get that, I, and I love the teenage <laughs> years, Panks. I mean, I love that whole teenager angst and everything else because I like to take that and mold it into something that can be a positive. You know, mm-hmm. let's take that attitude. Let's take the chip on the shoulder. Let's take the mean girl. Let's take all of those things that can happen during the teenage years and focus it on something that's positive and not negative. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, why do you think... uh you know you connected the most with uh the players uh, your team players why do you think you got connected i i can understand where they're coming from at different phases of life and mm. i i really see myself more as an educator at heart mm. so that's one of the things that i educate really i educate players on the basketball court with life skills because you have a very short window of your playing years no matter if that takes you to high school or you're blessed to be able to play in, into college mm. and very rare where you find anybody playing, you know, oh, yeah. pro ball. Yeah. So there's, there's going to be a whole lot more life there mm. without basketball than there will be as an active player. So how do I prepare that generation of female athletes to be able to be successful in life? And that's what I love about coaching basketball. Mm, got it. Okay. Now, how did you get into dentistry? That's, that should be another story, I think. Didn't, well, it was actually quite by accident okay. because I was in completely different fields. I have a background in, in the pharmacy arena and medical and in transportation and logistics and project management. So mm-hmm. I come from a completely different side going into dentistry, which mm-hmm. I love because I have a, a bigger, I think a bigger understanding of the business world in different mm-hmm. markets and segments. Mm-hmm. Um, So dentistry, how that occurred to me, my, my best friend, her husband is a general dentist and she kept asking me for years, Hey, will you come run the practice? And I did not want to mess up my personal relationship with her. And I've never worked for a friend before. And I I didn't want to do that. So I put it off for a really long time until she finally wore me down. And I said, all right, let's talk about this. How will this work? Because if I talk to you as a friend, That's one way of communicating. If I talk to you as an employee, how do we do that and not ruin Mm, our friendship? mm. Because the friendship, the relationship was too important to me, Panks, to be honest with you, that I didn't want to risk it. Right. But we got past it and we worked it out. And so once I got in there, he taught me dentistry. I taught him business. Mm. And it was really cool because I finally got to use my five years of Latin because I had never been able to use it before. <laughs> so if you think about the dental, you know, Latin root words and dentistry, I mean, it's complete overlap. Mm. So it, it, I know I'm, I'm going to geek out a couple of times on you, whether it be Latin or, you know, being a yeah, STEM girl okay. at heart and different things. So we'll, we'll, ge- we'll geek out a little bit on the science and math sure. during this. I have a feeling, but you asked me why dentistry I got into that. And then it just spurred into more things like, working for a claims clearinghouse in the dental world, um, working with other clients that got in contact with me and said, hey, I really think you can help me with this problem. And then I realized, oh my gosh, there are so many similarities between a dental practice and if they're doing it right, the dental team that works for the dentist mm. and a basketball team. Mm. And that's what I started correlating and, and 
I had thought about my book for a long time before I ever wrote it mm. and what I do presentations on. I mean, I overlap it all the time because the idea of coaching a team, everybody knows what a coach does, right? Sure. Whether you like sports or not, if somebody says, oh, do you know this coach? Everybody knows what they do. Right. So how can I take something that a dentist already visually knows what I'm talking about and how can it help that particular individual understand how to run the business side? Because mm. they got the clinical. That's what they went to school for. I went to business school. So I want to help them with an area that, that you know, yeah. they may need some assistance on. Mm. And then you start talking about the HR aspect of people. And they, dentists really don't like that part. Right. So, so let me let me kind of stop you here. So sure. I think um, I want to go back to... Uh, to that particular office where you started as, you know, helping your friend. Now, how long did you help her? And and when did you get your second client after her? I I ran the practice as a practice administrator, and I did everything in that practice that was non-clinical when I was with them. And I was with them probably for four years. Okay. Then I worked, I and I stayed working with them part-time for many years after that because they needed that additional assistance. Um, I was the first non-family, mm. non-blood related person to actually have that position. Right. So, so that was a big trusting thing of yeah. having somebody come in that wasn't related to the family run the practice. Got it. Okay. So, and after four years, did you end up joining another dental office or you end up joining the, the clearing house you're talking about? I ended up working part-time for the clearinghouse and part-time for the practice. Okay. And okay. then during that time, when I transitioned out of the practice and, and worked full-time for the clearinghouse, then it was, there were several clients or several dentists that um, got in touch with me and, and said, I, I have a problem. Can you help me with it? And then okay. that led me into thinking, I can completely make a business model out of this because I had always had that entrepreneurial bug to be able to do something. But what held me back was I have a twin sister that's a pharmacist. Mm. And she and I had always thought, wouldn't it be cool if she could fill the prescriptions and I could run the pharmacy? Okay. And after being a pharmacy tech and you know all of that in the past, we got the opportunity to do that. And I will tell you, I'm so happy that we learned on somebody else's dime that these twins do not work well together in that environment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think it, I should interview her and get her opinion too. No, no, I won't <laughs> let you do that. <laughs> uh, I'm just but, joking. <laughs> but it was, it was really interesting. I'm, and I'm glad we did it. I mean, we joke about it now. We talk to each other every yeah, day. Yeah, um, yeah. But we, mm. you know, I, I make fun of it, but that, sure. that was the impetus of saying, okay, I, I really don't want to work for this startup pharmacy anymore. I'm going to go full, full time with Victory Dental Management. And, and that's what ended up happening. Okay. Uh, I'm going back to basketball coaching and then, you know, now what are the similarities and the differences between the two? Like, you know, leading a dental office and leading a basketball team. What do you think are the one or two differences or similarities that you have between the two? There are a lot more similarities than there are differences. Okay. Um, the let's, similarities. Let's talk about the two most important ones, two or three of them. The most important is that I view um, 
the ability for me to teach a dentist how to coach is really teaching them leadership. And it's something that it's already comfortable for them to do because at the heart of every dentist is somebody that wants to educate their patients and they want the best for their patients. So they already know how to encourage people. Okay. So I take that that is innately in every dentist that I've ever worked with, whether it be a general dentist or specialist or anything, Mm -hmm. and take that and help them transform that into leading their team, but from a different perspective. So as a coach, and it doesn't matter basketball or dental, you're in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to craft your plan so that you can run your practices and you have and so hang with me for a second paint you've sure. got in a dental office as well as basketball you've got a practice time and a game time mm-hmm. in a dental office the practice time is when you're not seeing patients game time is when you're seeing patients okay so i flip all of that around to have my clients understand there's a lot of similarities here and it breaks down leadership that is this big threatening thing And then they realize, oh, hey, we can break it down into manageable pieces. And this is how I can get my framework of what I really want to get accomplished to be accomplished. Okay. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. So how would you break down, um, you know, the key pieces of leadership? Um, Everybody's different, of course. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I agree with that. Uh, You're, you're, because your background is different than mine. Um, and and of course, but there are some key pieces, you know, uh, which might be, which is what you want to split the leadership into uh, and you want to focus on, right? Uh, what do you think those key pieces might be? The core is always going to be what your mission and vision. Now, the difference and your your core values, the difference is so mission, I, vision, I believe and core, that core, mission, vision and core values. Core values. Okay. For me, the difference is now this, you know, this isn't the 80s way of doing it. This isn't Mm -hmm. how I work with clients. Mm. Mission statement is something that you definitely want to create with your team and share with your patients because I think it's very important for them to know, you know, Mm -hmm. what is the mission? What's your philosophy of practicing dentistry? They Mm -hmm. they need to know that. Okay. Um, but the vision for working with me with creating the vision statement, that could take over a day to do because I break every single thing down. And this is where, coming from a logistics standpoint, I love taking something that's a whole and breaking it all down into pieces mm. and then teaching them how does all how do all of those pieces relate to the whole. Okay. And I actually think that that's what separates me from a lot of other um, coaches mm. in the dental space because mm. a lot of them don't look at it from that standpoint. And I think... You know, other than personalities, I mean, we're all different, sure. but I think that's something that I, I'm, I'm pretty skilled at. Okay. Um, now, for me, I'm, these are just words for me in dictionary, mission, vision, core values. I'm not good at, you know, defining them. I'm sure you've mm-hmm. got that years and years of experience. Uh, probably. Uh, so um, what I'm saying is, could you give us an example of each? So mission, vision, core values. Uh, you know, top of your head, if you if you can. For... Let's start with the core of all of it. Okay. I think core values is where you start. Okay. Because if somebody values integrity and honesty, and and let's face it, in dentistry there has to be trust. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the one thing that if a patient isn't in pain, do they really need this dental work that you're suggesting and diagnosing that they need? I mean, it's it's one of those that they 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 need to have that trust sure. with their so provider. So trust is one, right? 
so taking those two words, okay, if that's what we value, then the, the mission of the practice could be, especially if the dentist is, is uh, passionate about it, maybe they want to keep patients out of pain. So it would be something like um, our, our passion is to make sure our patients understand and improve their oral health and they don't have any pain when they come to our office. It can be very simple. I think mm. a lot of times we try to overcomplicate sure, these, sure. these buzzwords. Mm. And, and I don't like that because a compl- if you make something complicated, people don't want to do it. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Agreed. So if you make it simple, then they're more apt to, to have that human behavior change and go, okay, that, that I can understand. So mm. if that's their mission, right, that they want to, they want to have dentistry to be able to take care of their patients with their oral health and, and not cause any pain, then the vision statement's going to be things like, how do we answer the phone to be able to take care of our patients? What's the expectation? What's the expectation for me to be a patient to come to the practice? Okay. What, how do you break down the role and responsibility of each team member and how does that relate to everything else? All of that is a part of the vision because you can have the mission up here, but the vision is how do we go about doing that? And, and I explain my vision statements as business plans mm-hmm. because it's a part of the overall business plan. Mm. So it's okay. much more I- incorporated with me than just a statement of, well, my vision is I want to be a $1.5 million practice. Well, mm. that's not enough. Mm. That doesn't even scratch the surface when I start working a, with a dentist about a vision. Right, 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 right. So why do I need to go through uh, um, such a big discussion and head-scratching uh, uh, phase with uh, Ms. Leggett? Uh, when I know that I should be making money and I should be paying my dues and, you know, live a successful and uh, comfortable life. So where is this coming from? Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Um, and that's a valid point because I've, I've had this discussion many times because they, a lot of dentists are like, well, that's just a waste of time. Why do I need to do that? <laughs> the, the way that I like to, to explain it is when you can answer all of those questions, then you can truly get everybody on the same page. And if everybody is not on the same page and they're not acting like team members, that's where your problems are occurring. Mm. Very okay. simple. Okay. But in order to get to the, the greater good of, okay, so let's, let's throw it out here as an, as an example. Mm. If you want to have, there's nothing special about having a million dollar practice, but let's just throw that figure out because everybody tends to want to have that you know, mm. figure mm-hmm. in mind. Mm-hmm. How, how are you going to do it? What are you going to do to get from where you are today to that goal or 1.5 or 2 or whatever it is mm-hmm. if, if Susie isn't doing what she needs to do and case acceptance isn't where it needs to be? And, oh, by the way, we've got complaints about how insurance claims are being filed and why is patient aging so bad? I mean, all of these things go underneath mm-hmm. the umbrella of if everybody understood their role and responsibility, which is a part of the vision statement, a part of the business plan, then everybody understands how their particular tasks or positions play a vital role in the success of everybody. Mm. And it stops the bickering 
between team members, and I'm, I'll be the first person as a female to say this, some, fun, some females do not play well with others. So why is that? Do we have, do we, have we hired the right people for the right job? Or do we have conflict that's coming from something else? So you can see where it's not a simple straight line at all. There's okay. a lot of intermingling tentacles, if you will. Right. That makes sense. So what homework uh, a dentist as a leader or as as the owner or as a owner of the business, uh, what homework can he or she do to to understand what he or she actually wants? The bigger picture is figuring out what is it. I, I'm really a big proponent of what is it that is going to make you happy? Because mm. some people, it's not having the 1.5 million dollar practice. It's being able to take care of a certain population of patients. I mean, it could be anything. It doesn't sure, have to be monetary. Sure. Typically it's monetarily based. Right, right. Yeah. My next question then changes actually is to what, how do we figure out what makes me happy? I mean, it sometimes it's, it's just a number, right? I mean, I think, mm-hmm. oh, I believe when I make million dollars, I'll be happy. Or I believe when I graduate from dental school, I'll be happy. But happy is an, happiness is an elusive thing unless you're drunk or addicted. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, uh, so actually the question turns into how do they do the homework to find out what makes them happy? That's a great question. To answer that, I want you to think back when you were in dental school. When you were dreaming about what your practice would be like, what you wanted it to be. What's the answer to that question? What did you think your day would be like? And when you let yourself think about those times, you can recapture your dream of practicing dentistry and compare and contrast that with how it actually is today. When you can write down what is different, you can start to create a plan to change how things are done now and how you want them to be in the future. And I've done this exercise with many dentists. And once they start writing those things down, it's easy for me to see a pattern and the priority of items that need to change. So if you don't like how things are done, change it. But that's the main problem, isn't it? Once you know what you want, most dentists are not sure how to go about making that change into what will make them happy. That's where I can help. I love to dissect those things down to the basics and then build them up according to your goals and your wishes. Now, I think uh, let's let's switch back from this mission values and dreams uh, to reality. Uh, reality is employees not equal to team. What is that all about in your book? Right? I think the first chapter talks about it. Yep. You know, the one thing about employees, when you have employees, it's just the mentality is different. They're thinking, what's in it for me? Um, Or the statement is always made, that's not my job. I don't need to help you clean up op three because that's not my job. It's very selfish. It's very turned inward for that particular. And I don't like staff because that's that's an infection. So I will make the differentiation between employee (laughs) and team just to let you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But correlate that or, or, or look at it differently with that selfish mm-hmm. behavior versus somebody that says, hey, 
how can I help you so that we all can leave together at the same time? Can mm-hmm. I pitch in and do this? So, so the attitude and the willingness of helpfulness and being mm-hmm. able to be team oriented, it's mm-hmm. completely different than being an employee. Plus as a team, let's go to basketball. If I, if the coach draws up a certain play, the team's going to know how to run that play. So they can be mm-hmm. able to anticipate the next move of their teammate. And I always mm-hmm. like to use the, uh, the idea of treatment planning because mm-hmm. we know the, the clinical team has to diagnose the issue and write up the treatment plan, whether it be in phases, what, whatever the, the write-up is. But then mm-hmm. they should be able to know that the administrative team members are going to be able to take that and use the insurance benefits, if any, to help them pay for it and then mm-hmm. work it out and get them scheduled accordingly so that they can get taken care of and their mouth can get healthy again. But sure. in order to do that, everybody has a role to play, right? So mm-hmm. there's, a, there's that whole idea of what happens in the operatory with the clinical team. They have to trust that the admin team is going to be able to take care of the rest of it and be able to answer questions for the patient. They all, mm-hmm. it's not one is better than the other. They are a team. They work as a unit and they get it taken care of because ultimately the success is, did you take care of the patient? That is, mm-hmm. that to me is success for the practice. Again, we try to overcomplicate everything, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, uh, so going back to the employees and the team. Now, why do you think uh, is a basic fundamental reason with your experience uh, that some employees are, hey, how can I help? And some employees like, oh, that's not my job. Uh, where is that fundamental difference in uh, essentially the same employee acting good with one dentist, but acting awful with the other dentist? Um, or uh, even if the dentist is same uh, and the management is same, they are they're 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 better with. You know, one one staff member is really good with the other, uh, with doing everything, and the other staff member eh, it's not my duty. Why do you think there is? What is the fundamental difference between the two employees? Uh, when they were hired, was that a problem, or the the attitude changed? Uh, what do you think? I think always it starts with the leadership of holding everybody accountable. So if if the if the dental, mm-hmm. if the management of the dental practice, which in this case, let's just say it's the dentist, if okay. they have done the right job hiring the right people, they're going to be creating that culture where they want everybody to be accountable. Now, here's mm-hmm. here's what I've found with with working with different dentists. When it comes to accountability, they're they know what it is, but they they're not sure the best way to go about making it happen. So, gaming the employees or the dentist. The dentist isn't exactly sure how to hold everybody accountable. And I, and I find that they, they make comments like, well, why can't they just do what I hired them to do? Well, was there enough clarity when they were hired? Do they truly understand everything that's being asked of them? Or are you adding to it every day with sticky notes on their desk with different things that they need to do? And they're confused on the priority of things or is it, you've given them different tasks to do, but no deadline. Right. So right. to me, it, it really, it really comes down to two things, communication and clarity. If, 
It's okay. if something has been communicated clearly to somebody and they're capable, so you've hired the right person, then there mm-hmm. shouldn't be a disappointment with the tasks that they're doing for you. Okay. But what I Thank find you. is they they're given a task but no deadline. And if there's no deadline, then, then when do you expect it and how do you want it done? Because I've seen some dentists just think, well, doesn't she know I just want this information given to me a certain way? Like, did you tell her? Did you Mm. tell her you wanted it alphabetized or you wanted it done by data service or you wanted it done? Whatever the criteria is, was the information given to you in the manner in which you wanted it? But did you clearly explain how you wanted it? um, What colors to use? And what date it needed to take place. And mm. the more crucial part, Pinks, is did when did you check in on them before the due mm. date to see how they were doing with the project? Right. So basically, you're saying it's my mistake. No, I'm saying that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding. It's, it's, and you know, that's, I'm glad you said that because it, it really isn't. It's just how do we communicate with everybody? It's not that it's somebody's fault over another person's fault. It's how do we get the team, everybody to work together well? Because I really think those that work in dentistry, I have never met anybody thus far that has ever gotten into dentistry if, and they didn't want to help people. I've, I've yeah. never had a dentist tell me, yeah, I got into it for the money. I just right. haven't, I haven't heard that. I'm sure that's out there, but that has not been my oh, personal yeah. experience. Sure. So when you take the innate goodness of what we do in the dental field to take care of others, that's a shared belief with everybody that works in the dental practice. At the core, I I really believe, of everybody that works there, it's the how that can sometimes mess us up. I was also trying to figure out how come when I hired two assistants, which were pretty good uh, to begin with, uh, and I believe they were really good. They both, there was a reason. I mean, I worked hard to kind of uh, shift shift them and I found, okay, these are two good ones. And then among the two, they were really good initially. And then six months down the road, one of them is still good, still doing a good job. Now, the second one kind of starts lacking. Now, is it only because of the accountability or is there anything else that fundamentally might have changed in her or in her situation, um, that she's not that that class player what she was before. Sure. Well, I mean, let's be really real about this. Life happens, so there could be a lot okay. of things happening that in this example, in this particular person's personal life, that they're letting it bleed over into the practice. I got so it. Hmm. my thing has always been, in every team that I've worked with, is your personal mm-hmm. drama stops at the door. When you enter into this <laughs> practice, we are here yep. for the patient. Don't bring your drama in. Right. It's, 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 yep. it's a hard line. You do not cross sure. that line. This is what you right. need to do. And But see, if the culture isn't that way, that the, the team members understand this is the expectation, mm-hmm. and then this is what goes back to the communication, right? What's the true expectation? Because if they see somebody else getting away with it, but they can't get away with it, then I have to ask, why is anybody getting away with it? Where is Mm. the accountability? So the first thing I'm always going to, I'm going to make the assumption in our examples that the right people have been hired, but then it's something going on in her personal life. Then Mm. on top of that, I think there is a huge difference between mindset and attitude because Mm. attitude to me and how I define it 
it's emotional and it's, it's temporary because that's why you hear people say, Oh, well, she has a bad attitude. He has a bad attitude. Whereas mindset is intentional. Mindset's Mm. a completely different thing than attitude. Again, two words that are used interchangeably that really should not be used interchangeably. I got you. I got you. So attitude is only temporarily, Mm -hmm. but can you actually develop a mindset? Can you actually change your habits? I think mindset also, habits are also a part of mindset, which I'm thinking I'm understanding correctly. So can you actually change a mindset of a person when he or she has been doing certain things in a certain way or thinking or expecting certain things out of life or the way he or she deals with it, can you even change that or is it a done deal? It can be changed as long as they have a coachable heart, which goes back to the title of my book, You Can't Coach Quit. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you for getting there. Uh, I have a question for that. Okay. I did not understand the title. You have really? to. Yeah. So it was like, you can't coach quit. Uh, are you trying to say, I should not quit? Or somebody who's already quitting, they are not coachable. Somebody is only coachable if they allow themselves to be coachable. And, and in the book, the re- the, what I say in there about the reason for the title is because it, it, I had a point guard that played for me. And she okay. had incredible potential and she could have been the leader of the basketball team, but mm. it was, she lacked mental toughness and okay. it was, the, and she couldn't get out of her own head. And I worked with her and worked with her. I could see her. She would get completely defeated on the floor. I could see it take, take over. I mean, I knew when it happened, it was like, just, mm. I could just see it on the floor. And I oh, worked okay. with her so many times. And I'm like, listen, are, you're either going to get this or you're not. And you're going to have to put in the work. I'm not going to babysit you with this. The question is, do you want to be better? If you don't want to be better, then I'll find another point guard. But uh, if, okay. if you want to work on this, I'm the most willing person and will work hours with you. And she basically mm. gave up because to her, things had always come easy, right? But she had mm. to put in some work. She didn't want to do that. So she basically gave up. And I I would rather have, in this case, I'd rather have a player that has heart. I can teach them any skill in the world. But if you don't have the mental toughness and the heart that you can listen to me and do what I'm asking you to do from from a basketball standpoint, then I, I I can't mold you and I can't get the most potential that you have. And, and again, that's my goal, right? I want the, I want to bring out the most potential and the best potential of anybody, whether it be dental or basketball. But in okay. order to do that, will you trust me? Will you work with me? And in the basketball sense, it really has to do with mental toughness. And she lacked it. So I can't mm. coach quit. And that uh, was the title of the book. Oh, that makes sense. So what made you even write one? What made you even write this book? I mean, uh, people, there, there's so many books and you being into the basketball arena, coaching there, being a consultant. But what made you, you know, convince you enough that you got to write this book? Actually, it was, it was my way of enabling me to help teach people how to coach because it goes back to me wanting to introduce the idea of leadership in a non-threatening way. And I thought, okay, it, it may be 
some people may not be able to see me present live or or virtually now, you know, in our mm-hmm. day and time right now, but they could certainly get my book off of Amazon and be able to read it and go, oh, okay, I have a couple light bulbs. Because, oh, okay. you know, the, the one thing about running a business, and I don't care what industry you're in, we don't mm. know everything. And we've got to be able, in, in my opinion, we're always learners, like you and I were talking about in the very beginning. You don't stop learning. Um, I sure. don't know at all. But, I, but the great thing is I have colleagues that if I'm asked a question, I can find out mm. an answer. I'm not saying that the answer will come from me, but I will find an answer to a question. And that makes sense. And I think that's how a lot of people have to look at it is we all have colleagues mm. and I'm not supposed to be the expert in everything because I think that's unrealistic. It is. It is. Um, I still remember one of my friends, he opened up a dental office. I'm like, what the hell, man? You opening up a dental office like within six months? Um, he could afford to um, with a friend, of course. And, and, and he's doing good. He's doing good or better than many people I know. Um, uh, but did he do mistakes in the whole process? Yes. Sure. I, I think, uh, we all have to get into the game, jump into the fire and then figure, figure things out. Right. Um, I completely agree with that. And, um, uh, I think that's what happened with me for my podcasting too. I was like, Oh, I want to make everything perfect before I start podcasting, before I start podcasting. It took me one and a half years just to start one. And then, um, <laughs> Finally, I, I learned on the way. I learned a few things on the way. I'm still learning. Um, now, going back to, going back to, uh, I think I'm still going into the office realm right now. Then I go into your cons- consultation a little bit. Now, we discussed that there's a lot of stresses in the office, right? What do you think with your experience are the biggest stresses, uh, in the office? Um, and what stress with your experience, do you think you have alleviated the most? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, stress can come in a lot of different forms. I, I think Agreed. Uh, like right now, financial stress is a really hot topic, obviously with yeah. COVID and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When dentists feel like they don't have anywhere to turn um, and, and let's face it, all of you in dental school, you had to be perfect, right? Because that's what you were measured on in, in, with your clinical skills. And when, mm-hmm. you, when you open up your own practice, you're thinking, I have to be perfect because that mindset's been drilled into you for so long mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. feel like you have to have all the answers. And when you start running a business, you don't have all the answers. And that's a hard thing for a lot of dentists to come to grips with. So when mm-hmm. anybody... Whenever anybody gets in touch with me, that's the first thing that I want to honor is, okay, thank you for reaching out because you reached Mm. out. That's huge. And Mm. that needs to be applauded and congratulated because a lot of people don't show the strength that it takes to reach out. So when you like your podcast, you wanted to be perfect and you didn't want to do it until you could do it perfectly, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But sometimes you just got to jump into it and go, I'm willing to try as I go. And that's all anybody can ask of you. So I think that has a a lot to do with, with the stressors too, is, you know, it's financial. It's, um, it's, it's like the nitpicky stuff that gets under everybody's skin. Why can't my team Mm. just get along? Why can't they Mm. just do what I ask them to do? Um, Mm. there, there are a lot of different things that can stress out, um, doctors for different reasons. Right. Right. And, uh, 
do you think i mean of course you've got experience in the whole under under the whole umbrella you know the whole dentistry but what do you think you you could be if i rephrase it uh somebody hire you majorly for team management uh setting up system in the office for insurance reimbursement what is your if i have to pick two of your skills maybe three of your skills what do you think you will pick up the most i want the dentist to be able to enjoy dentistry and showing up to the office and not dreading it i think mm. that is a a big thing um before sure. covid and now um okay. i some people fall out of love with being a dentist to be honest with you so I, I would think the first thing is systems and processes. That's easy. I mean, that's just yeah. being able to look and, and see my thing is maybe everything you're doing is not incorrect. I'm not going to come in and start saying this is wrong. This is wrong. Cause a lot of things are going to be working. Okay. It's just, can we tighten mm-hmm. it up? Can we make mm-hmm. it a little better? Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the little stuff that people don't think about that makes a huge difference. So right. it's it's not about being judgmental or being critiqued. It's how can we make things better? So looking at systems and processes, but then also human behavior. How can we get everybody working together? Because at the end of the day, the patient has to be taken care of. We don't mm. need somebody airing their dirty laundry or talking at you know at the front with patients hearing things that they that they shouldn't hear. We need right. to be professional. We need to have mm-hmm. the patient understand that we are the experts in dentistry and we're there to help them. Got it. So I think it all goes back to setting up the mission, vision, and you know the core values as we discussed in the beginning. It, it's so basic, but it is it is truly fundamental for mm-hmm. the practice to have success. I understand. All right, now let's go back to uh, coaching a little bit here. Now. You worked as a practice administrator, then as a practice improvement coach, and finally became a consultant. What stage in life you felt that you can be a coach and you were confident that you can share your experiences with other dentists and improve them? What made you, like, what was that, that light bulb moment or uh, the life, that, the, the moment in your life that you felt that you can actually be a coach or be a consultant? Well, I think there's a big difference between being a coach and being a consultant, first of all. But I knew I could be a coach because I had been a coach in the athletic world for much longer than when I got into dentistry. So I knew I had the ability. It is really, can I relate to people and can I teach people that, that, and can I make an impact? And in the biggest picture of coaching, that's what that's about. When it comes to dental, Um, I knew that I could do that pretty quickly after being a practice administrator for the general practice, because that's when, um, friends of the dentist were coming to me and asking me for help. And it was, again, it was business 101, if you will, about how to do certain things. And I, I wasn't always in dentistry. So a lot of the problems they were having happens in all other industries as well. It's just people. How do you manage people? Because you cannot manage you can manage people and you can do tasks, but but those two are two entirely different things: task versus people. Hmm. Thank you, thank you for thank you for answering sure. that. In the, in the same realm, how do you think your company, Victory Dental Management, right? How do you think your company is different or even better 
than other dental companies or consultants all around? My philosophy of, I, I know there are a lot of companies out there that mm-hmm. have a three ring binder and they say, we're going to work through all of these things within the next 12 months. I okay. do not subscribe to that philosophy personally. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. rather impact and, and work on from a custom standpoint, because not every dental practice is the same at all. They are all unique and they are all different Mm. in their own ways. So Mm. why would I want to have a cookie cutter approach to answering questions and handling different things? So Mm. that is the right off the bat, the biggest difference, because I want to be able to solve the immediate issues and take care of those. Then we'll go into other things that may be more underlying. Like when you're when you're doing triage with, with a patient, you're going to, you're going to stop the bleed first. Then you'll worry about the other things after that. That that's sort of how I look at it too, is let me help with the top issues. And, and Mm. there, there's always underlying issues. There always are, but Mm. there has to be a priority in what we work at. And that's one thing the dentist needs to work with me and say, what is your priority? Because I may come up with some things that the dentist hasn't thought of. And they right. might say, well, that's something that we can work on that later, but they may not understand how that relates to other things in the practice. So it's definitely working together to come up with the plan that works for them as well. Okay. So what is the usual process for somebody to hire you? The first thing that I have is how, uh, however long we need to talk on the phone. We're going to, we're going to talk to make sure that I'm the right fit for them. And they're the right fit for me because I don't want anybody wasting any precious money for anything. And if, if I get the sense that a colleague would be a better fit for this particular, you know, doctor, then I will do an email introduction and let them, you know, meet somebody else. Because I think that's very key. I, when I work with somebody, trust has to be at, at the core of everything, because I'm going to find out a lot working with this doctor and there Mm. needs to be trust both ways. And and I value that relationship because that's why I have a lot of clients that have been with me for over 10 years. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. You know, it's like, it's like, Hey, uh, I heard your story, but I tell you what, I cannot help you as much as you wanted to, you know, let me send you to Pank's. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> but uh, but that's really crucial to the trust because if I, yeah, if I know, I like I'm not going to take like somebody's that. money just to take somebody's money. I, I can't stand that. And that would mm. go against my, my personal core, core values. And I, I don't want to, I want to stay in alignment with what, and I've been, th- and I've been very blessed, Panks, that I've been able to do that. <laughs> I, I haven't been one of those that um, from the beginning I had to, um, yeah worry about where my next meal was coming from that has not been the case thankfully thank god yeah yeah uh i think uh, uh once we uh isn't didn't that mother Teresa said you can only help somebody if you are uh you know happy yourself or contented yourself like she had only two sorries and one pocket and she was happy and she was helping everybody so you know at, as long as uh as long as we have what we need then we can be true and, and help others with a high integrity, what I mean. Absolutely. Okay, so so let's say you spend an hour or two hours, maybe a week or two weeks, talking to a potential client and you know you, you work good and you think you can help him or her. 
what happens? Do you visit them? Do you do you visit their offices? How, uh, what is your usual process? Typically, once once we've had the um, first conversation, mm-hmm. um, sure. we've we've decided we've come to an understanding of what the say the top three issues are within the practice. Okay. And okay. in order to see that, I I am big on observation because I can tell a lot of things again back to human behavior of what's happening in the office. So I would like to the next step, be able to be on site for the day and to be able to see how everybody relates, not only within the team with themselves, but also how are they relating with the patients? Um, Mm. It has to be a a overall encompassing thing. And I don't want the dentist to bias me um, because I want to be able to see it with my own eyes. A lot of times they have this preconceived notion that this assistant is doing this and this hygienist is doing this and, and mm. this person at the mm. front desk is doing this and that may or may not be the case. And I, I want to see it with my own eyes because then I can start asking questions. Why? Why is it happening? It. Good or bad? It doesn't have mm. to necessarily be bad. It's just sure. I need to know why, why certain things are happening and, and then we go from there. Got it. No, that helps. So... Now, talking about your clients, you've been doing it for, is it 10 years? Uh, you you know. I've actually been uh, consulting for over 12. Okay. So consulting for 12 years. Now, what's the range of your client, like the biggest client and the smallest client? I'm just talking a range. I'm not asking absolute numbers. Uh, because, you know, if, if Heartland, Heartland comes to you to help them out, um, you probably cannot handle the whole Heartland chain, but I'm I'm asking <laughs> by yourself. What I mean, uh, but so just to for them to understand, you know, what kind of clientele or dentist would uh, benefit with your experience. I'll tell you, my target would be a practice that has between one and four doctors, because anything larger than that, and they're going to be on a more DSO or mini DSO kind of thing. And they probably Mm. would have already had their own structure in place. Um, I have been asked to come in as a speaker and do some workshops with, um, with larger practices, but as far Mm -hmm. as coaching one-on-one, um, those are the practices and I've done general dentistry as well as special specialty. In a similar tone, uh, what do you think has been your biggest win? If you can give an example Again, we are not talking with the names of the dental officers. You know, where you felt you helped a dentist to tide across that that problem that, you know, what is your biggest uh, win in terms of either numbers or in terms of problem? And if you can share what problem was. I had a, it was a solo practice that got in touch with me and he mm-hmm. really he said that he had tried all these different things and he just, he, he didn't want to practice dentistry anymore. He was frustrated. He was thinking about selling. Um, just, you know, he was pretty low and started, started working with him and, and we started uncovering a lot of different things. He started to get the joy back of practicing dentistry because what was bothering him was all the HR issues. And it was mm. the it was the team of they were acting like employees and not a team. And there were various mm. reasons for that. But once we got to the core reasons why that was happening, then it became, OK, we uh, he's happy going into the office every day. Now, how 
financially profitable can we get the practice? Because he's having so much fun. Is he going to bring mm. on an associate? Is he, you know, what, what's the game plan? Because at that point he was a little too young to retire. He was not comfortable Got with it. that idea. So mm. then we brought in an associate because the growth was so much that he couldn't handle it by himself. So to mm. go from not liking walking into your practice and mm. now, of course, years later, he, he has since sold the practice and, and he's extremely happy because he and his wife can mm. travel and do whatever they want to do you know, during his retirement years. But that was probably the biggest impact to where um, I can impact someone's life. And that, that means a lot mm. more to me. I, I'm not all about, because uh, some people will ask me, well, how many clients are you working with? To me, it's not the number, it's the quality. Yeah. It's, it's the, quality. the change. Yeah. How much change can, can I impact so that everybody enjoys it better. I mean, his whole team loved when I came in because they knew this, this is going to be, it's not only educational, but it's also fun because nobody wants Mm. to be bored. I mean, I don't want to be bored. So why would anybody else want to be bored? (laughs) Okay. So, so uh, his team was welcoming. Uh, Yes. Is that, that's what you're saying? Not in the beginning. But okay, now but, it's important. But it, okay. it, and because they they dreaded coming in, and so it yeah. was this whole okay, what's happening here? Because that's not that's not a typical scenario. Um, yeah. So once once we did some work and started uncovering, and again, it's layers. It's not just one thing, right? It's mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a a ball of yarn that needs to be completely unwound to figure out what's going on. But I, I like you. that kind of stuff because gotcha. to me, that's challenging. And I always like to be challenged. I like mm. my comment before, I don't like to be bored. <laughs> and why do you think the dentist actually lost the touch of, you know, uh, listening to the employees? Was he getting way too busy? Is that the reason that he kind of skipped or missed uh, that, that human touch, which you obviously unraveled later? That, I think, think in this in this particular situation, what had happened was it, he was distracted with some other things that were going on in his personal life. And then um. it was interpreted as he didn't care about his practice. And then it started with, um, it continued with team members that were saying, well, if he doesn't care, then why do I care? And uh. so this back to this attitude, right, that was emotional, mm. then it just started, it started snowballing in a downward spiral. And, no, no, that makes sense. but there were, that's oversimplifying this particular situation. There were, there were a lot of other things because everybody, sh- we're all grown adults. Everybody's responsible for their own reaction to things. They did not have to react that way to it, but it was yeah. a whole lot easier, right? To look, sometimes human beings look at things negatively right off the bat. I have mm. always been a glass half full kind of person. So my initial you know, instance is not to look at something and go, Oh, woe is me. It's okay. How am I going to turn that around? And, Mm -hmm. and that takes a different mindset to be able to look at it and go, okay, I can work with this. Um, And that, that, that and to me that, I mean, that's coaching. Yeah, no, no, that, that helps, that helps uh, people understand you, you know, looking at half full, that's, that's a, that's the hardest thing to do when you're just going down under, especially like mm-hmm. in situations like COVID-19, um, people are stressed out. People are stressed out. And if you see, okay, I've started, 
I've started my office. I've got five patients instead of 10. That's okay. At least I've started. See it as a half full. Um, so I think that's a, that's a good attitude. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, um, do you have any advice for dentists who are uh, going through this COVID-19? You know, I, I did a whole program, a four-week program I put together called Evolve Leadership Series to be able to help everybody get ready to, to handle um, coming back into the office with COVID. So I've, I've got a bunch of, of ideas about that. Um, okay. You know, it's, it's, it's a different world, but you mm-hmm. have to involve your team. Um, to me, again, there are two things. One thing that is very paramount is there is fear. Fear either from your team members or fear from your uh, fear from your patients. So you've got right. to know how to communicate um, and handle the fear that they may have. It also mm. goes back to trust. Um, mm. Are they going to be safe in your practice, whether it be a team member or a patient? And if mm. so, how? Um, I know a lot of practices that have put so so many resources into changing things in their practice, whether it be the PPE whether it be evacuation units, whether it be, you know, their HVAC systems, all these other things that are available to be mm-hmm. able to make things better. I am a very big proponent, which imagine this, that I'm going to be competitive about something. But if that is what you've done, then it's a competitive mm-hmm. advantage. And you need to take it, not take advantage of it, but you need to broadcast what you've done in, oh. in the name of safety for your patients. I so. Understand. because you've spent all this money on, on making changes, you need to Mm -hmm. be able to communicate that to everybody, but, but communicate it in such a way that they understand why it was done, what problem it solved and why they should come see you. And it's not only the dentist that needs to do that. The whole team needs to be able to, um, I'm not a big person on scripts because I like to teach people how to communicate. If, if I use a script, then what happens if somebody's asked a question that's not on a script? No. So I've never liked scripts. I like bullet yeah. points, but I don't like scripts. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Great. No, that, that's, I think that's a, good, um, that's a good advice. You know, if you spend money, if you spend, you know, as somebody said, if you got it, you got to flaunt it, right? Pretty much. So. And that goes to social <laughs> media. And, and the right. other thing that gets me too, and I may be going down um, a pathway, which I can't imagine you're going to disagree with what I'm going to say. Mm. I was infuriated that people would say dentistry is not essential. Oh, wow. What yeah. is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't even understand that. I wish more dentists were on the front lines being able to help with things because who, who else better to deal with infection control? We know what we're doing Mm -hmm. and it starts with the mouth and you know, you're talking about a virus. You're talking about airway. You're talking about all Mm -hmm. kinds of things. Let's go back to the science of it. I just, when I heard that the first time uh, I was, I had one of those, uh, one of those, um, it's a plastic basketball, but it's not, it's in the shape of a basketball, but it's that foam thing that you can throw at the TV and it won't hurt the TV. I have a lot of those actually, because, you know, when I used to be able to see sports on the TV, I would, I would just be, you know, banging all kinds of things, especially if it was a bad play. But anyway, we, we yeah, won't, yeah. we won't go down that road, but I, I can remember just throwing stuff and my husband going, this really bothers you. I said, it bothers me yeah. greatly because we are essential. 
all of us in the mm-hmm. dentistry, we are essential. But I'll try. Right. I'll try to get off that pedestal. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, seems like you're really passionate about dentistry. Uh, I can see that. Maybe seems like you even cried a little uh, seeing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought. I thought you just just teared up a little bit. I thought. You know, but anyway, tears of anger. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing all about your book, about your experience and all. The next phase of uh, our interview is uh, called as Tim Ferriss inspired questions. Do you have any morning ritual, any best practices that makes you successful? You know, I, I'm a morning person. So the first thing that I like to do is be able to get up and work out. And I know during COVID, I've, I only had the stuff here in the house, but it just helps me stay focused. Um, mm. And then at, after I do that, I, I will start off my day by, um, I have a daily devotional that's emailed to me. So I'll start um, by reading that because it, it just sets the tone for me. Got it. Got it. Uh, any other uh, biohacks like drinking special kind of tea or coffee or something on those lines? I do not like coffee, um, but I like <laughs> caffeine. So let me be very clear. <laughs> okay. I've just, I've never liked the taste of coffee, but I like tea. So if, okay. if it's cold enough, I'll, I'll drink tea. If not, it'll probably be um, iced tea, mm. but I, yeah, I'm definitely Got getting it. caffeine. Got it. Okay. And, um, and is it um, you? You mentioned a little bit about uh, spirituality, right? Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Like, yes. do you now? Would you want to share? Is it some kind of a meditation that you do, or you just read it's something? Being being a Christian, it's a it's a devotion. It's a different verses of the Bible that are um, given to me as a daily devotion um, that okay. that I'll read, and and it's part of my Bible study that I do. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, the, do you have any any purchase that you made between hundred to three hundred dollars that impacted your life in a positive way? Yes, I have. Um, mm-hmm. Beside Kate Spade pocketbooks, yes, I have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I doing podcasts and doing a lot of different Zoom meetings. Um, I actually purchased a Yeti microphone. So oh, yeah. I, I use that all the time. Mm, okay, great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, apart from your own book, have you loved any other book uh, or you've gifted a book the most? You know, the one I really like, um, it's called Extreme Ownership. Right. Okay. And okay. I, I loved um, reading from the two Navy SEALs that wrote it. And the whole idea, because if, if you think about, and it, it probably wouldn't surprise you um, from, from a coaching standpoint, a, a true, you know, coaching standpoint that mm. everybody has a role to play and, right. you know, playing basketball is not life or death, not like being a Navy mm. SEAL, but I love the meticulousness that they went through in the book and described. It starts with me. It starts with what am I willing to do because the team is more important than self. And I think the exact same way on the basketball court or in the dental office. 
So philosophically, I was just really drawn to that book. And there are a lot of different parts. It's funny, my different clients that have read that book that I've sent it to them, mm. other than my mm. book, um, they, they all pull out different aspects of it. So I, I think it's, it's definitely a great read for people. Great. No, thank you. Um, extreme ownership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's come again and again, but, and on a similar topic, um, uh, Dr. Travis Campbell, he, uh, he has a podcast, uh, we, we, we launched, uh, and he said, uh, a very simple thing. Um, it starts with you. I mean, he, it starts with you. You have to be the one. Basically, you have to be the leader. Uh, but he actually speaks very eloquently and very in a good way when he talks about in his own podcast. So look for podcastofdentistry.com, Travis. Okay. Um, you'll find him. Now, this is a tricky question, and uh, I, 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 I'm going to rephrase it if you don't understand, but uh, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? With as much as I talk about mental toughness, I wish more people would ask me if I've done anything that I had to learn to persevere through. Wow. Well, now, come on. I have to ask you this. Okay. So share, share your experience and, uh, and, and what you did to, to be that, that mental tough lady. I am really an open book. You could pretty much ask me anything and I will answer you because <laughs> if you do anything controversial, I'll ask you, do, are you sure you want me to answer? Because I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> um, and, and I don't mind saying this at all. I, I, do. I had to, I went through a four year journey, um, with infertility to, to actually have my daughter. So oh. four years of going through that, you, you cherish motherhood like, like I do. I'm, and my two kids are 15 months apart. I wanted twins, but I did, unfortunately did not get twins. I really wanted to have them since I have a twin sister, like I was saying earlier, but yeah. the four years of going through the perseverance, and there were so many times that I could have given up, but I wasn't going to give up. Um, right. You know, the other stop, the other option was going to be adoption because I, I knew that my husband and I mm -hmm. were meant to be parents and we're, sure. we're, we are blessed with two healthy children and you can't get better than that. Cause I tell my daughter, you're my favorite daughter. And I tell my <laughs> son, you are my favorite son. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did you do in these four years or what were you talking to yourself in those four years? Um, did you keep faith in uh, Christianity, your, your religion, uh, spirituality? Uh, what did you how did you talk yourself into it'll be all right? Don't worry, it'll be all right. What did you say to yourself in those I, I think, four years? I think it was knowing, um, like the night before, because I went through in vitro. So you have all these right. different steps that you have to go through at um, to be able to get to the point of doing IVF, and mm. and literally it was okay. What's the next step? Okay, we check that off. What's the next step? Mm. And the night before. I, we went in to do the procedure. I'm, I'm not a big person of dropping to my knees because I'm a type A. I think you've talked to me long <laughs> enough to realize I got, I'm a heavy type A, but I yeah. had to learn to submit and mm. I'm not very good at that. I'll be honest. That is, but I've learned because ever since then it's like, okay, Lord, if you want me to do this, then 
I, I will move heaven and earth to make it happen. If I'm supposed to do this, get out of my way kind of thing. Mm. And, and I wasn't quite like that. Um, but the four year journey and, and, and let me say to your listeners, please do not pray for patience. That is the wrong thing to pray for. <laughs> please learn from my experience. Do not pray for that. Um, but I, I, you know, it was, it was something that I needed to go through um, to mm. learn that I'm not in control and it's okay. Let go, let God, and it will work out. Mm. So, you were adamant that you're gonna get a baby. You you're gonna be pregnant. You're gonna have a baby, and then uh, you weren't letting it go. Uh, and then God was like, "Okay, uh, I'll I'll get you on, but you have to kind of submit yourself first. Is that what you're trying to say? It was, you know, you think you do everything in the right steps, right? You you go to college, you graduate, you you find, you know a spouse that you dearly love and you have so many things in common with you built, you get your house and it's like, okay, now it's ready. Now we're ready to start having a family and stuff isn't working like it should. I mean, it should not yeah. take this long to get pregnant. Sure. And through yeah. that process, it was, now it was hard. It was, I'm not going to say it was easy in my marriage sure. during those four years because it was very difficult because we were both dealing with a stress that we didn't yeah. think we'd have to deal with. Right. Having kids, and this is during a time period, two panks, when all of our friends, if they sneezed wrong, they got pregnant. So <laughs> it was, it was really like, okay, you got to be kidding me. And, but, you yeah. know, back to mindset, I celebrated with them because I had a lot of friends that said, well, I didn't want to tell you I was expecting because I knew you were trying. I'm like, let me be happy with you. I will handle my thing, but let me celebrate with you. And mm. so don't, don't keep me away from that, you know, celebration. But uh, from a, from a submit standpoint, it was, okay, God, obviously this is not going to work unless you want it to work. And if you don't, mm -hmm. that's okay. I'll adopt. But mm -hmm. it, you know, I, I need to at least try this. And mm -hmm. if it works, that'll be great. Cause, cause when we, um, when we wanted to have my son, um, cause mm -hmm. they, well, I found out that I had endometriosis very badly. Didn't know that, but through the process mm -hmm. of going through, um, in vitro mm -hmm. found that out. So the doctors were like, if you want to have a second child, you guys are going to need to get busy and have a second child. And the last, um, cycle before we were going to go back to the, um, infertility doctor, we got pregnant with Nicholas. So mm -hmm. as I, I lovingly told them, um, my daughter was very expensive, but I, you know, our son was okay too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank, uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, I think it's um, really personal, but uh, I'm, I'm glad uh, uh, you're sharing that with us. Sure. And if anybody yeah. has any issue, uh, and I'll say this too, I have helped yeah. eight, eight friends of mine go through this because mm. for whatever reason, it really is an issue. And unless you, you go through infertility, you just don't understand so if anybody right. is listening and they don't even want to talk about dentistry, they just want to have somebody that understands their journey, get in touch mm. with me. I, I talk wow. about this stuff all the time. Wow, that's hard. That's that's um thank you. Uh that's a that's a big volunteering that you're doing. I'm sure uh, you're gonna get so many phone calls now. That's good. Bring it. <laughs> I wouldn't make the <laughs> offer if I wasn't serious because there's nothing worse than being alone during that time period and nobody mm. understanding what you're going through. Great. Thank you. Once again, thank you for sharing that beautiful moment.
Now, um, now being successful. Now, when you think of a person being successful, who are the first two people that come into your mind? For me, the first person that comes to mind is Pat Summit, and you may not know who that is. That it, not really. when she was alive, she was the head coach of University of Tennessee's women's basketball program. Okay. 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 And she overcame a lot to be able to be the first um, college coach ever to win a thousand, to get a thousand wins. And oh, it, wow. happened to be, it happened to be a female that got it first. Um, coach Whoa. K at Duke was the second and he was the first male, but um, Pat Summit was the first coach ever. And, and she was just an incredible strong role model for me. Wow. Okay. And uh, so that's one. Do you have anybody else you think? Well, I mean, Coach K um, at Duke. And it, but he went to West Point. So he has, it's not always been a Duke thing, but it's, it's his leadership as well. It, it's on okay. and off the court with both of those coaches that I've, I've really, success has a different way um, of defining it depending on what you're looking at. And to me, both of those coaches have made a big impact on me, um, not only when I played basketball, but also coaching basketball. And it just helps mm. with prioritizing certain things in life first. Um, and, and, and the bigger purpose. Okay. Now I have to ask you these two questions. Come on. I can't let you go without that. So, uh, bigger purpose. How do you, Dennis understand what their bigger purpose in life is, or for that matter, anybody, it could be my assistant. Um, and my assistants listen to my podcast. At least they say so. <laughs> it's not mandatory, right? But they just listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just try to make me happy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, this is a little uh, tough topic. Um, bigger picture, you know. Um, how and what can someone do to understand what the bigger picture of their own life is? With your experience, I'm not asking about anything and whatever you think. Well, I think that is that is really such a personal question for somebody to answer for themselves because I think we're all um, we're all a product of our past um, decisions and 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 things that have happened in our life. So that they need to realize what what the bigger picture is for them. I, I guess it's almost like what's your personal why? Um, why do you mm. do what you do? kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think people need to understand what makes them happy in their professional life and what makes them happy in their personal life. And they, and that may be two entirely different answers um, as right. to what, what they're passionate about and, and, and the bigger purpose. Um, I'll tell you, I, I know we've talked about coaching, whether basketball or non-basketball, but I, again, one of my greatest um, opportunities has been to be able to be a mom. Um, I don't take mm. that lightly either. And to be able to raise them the way that my husband and I have wanted to raise them. Um, one is in nursing school. One's getting ready to start um, studying civil engineering. So they've, cool. it, it, and it's, I haven't said you have to major in X, Y, Z. It's, I want you to be happy, but I want you to work and have the best foundation you possibly can have. So when your mindset right. is that way of looking at it from that standpoint, 
then as a parent, I think it's my job and my husband's job to be able to make those things happen for them. Got it. Thank you. And uh, I have to touch this prioritization. You know, um, I was talking to my assistant one day and I was like, and obviously when we're opening up because of the coronavirus and all, there's loads of extra administrative work. There's loads of, um, you know, patient follow-ups. Um, and now I said, did you call the lab? Did you do this? You know, I'm just kind of reminding her. I know she would forget it and so on. Well, and I said, you have to prioritize. And now, uh, what do you think uh, is the reason people cannot prioritize? Or the other question could be, what is your process of prioritization? Because you've been a coach as a, in a teaching women basketball. You've learned how to prioritize whatever needs to be done at that moment because you're in the game. You have to win. You have got only so much time. You know, maybe 10 seconds left. I need one more basket. Come on. Exactly. So, yeah. So how do you, you know, those are easy issues, right? I mean, you have 10 seconds. You have to, you got to throw the ball. Otherwise, you got, you're done. You cannot have a three-point, right? Oh, mm -hmm. three seconds, whatever. You got the idea. But the point is, I'm not good at sports. You know that then. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I'm following you. <laughs> yeah. So, so if, if you have to take a decision on those last three seconds, we can take it because we know this is life or death. But I think the confusion comes in in the middle zone when we cannot prioritize. This is important, but not that important. But this is urgent, but this is not that urgent kind of thing. So what is your process or how can one learn to prioritize? In the case of the, the dental practice, I mean, a lot of that has to do with what, what needs to be done now, what can wait till, you know, the next day, but it doesn't mean that it can't be done. So mm -hmm. if there's somebody that needs a post-op call, that's more important than sending a claim. So you've, you've mm -hmm. got to have some common sense and understanding of it, is time a factor. If time is a factor, then that's the first priority. Um, mm -hmm. Same thing like I mentioned triage before. You want to stop, you want to have an airway because if you don't have an airway, you're not going to be able to do anything. And then you want to stop the bleeding or they're going to bleed out. I mean, there's certain mm. things that you do in, to prioritize in order to take care of somebody or something. So a lot of that will come from understanding, like we talked about in the very beginning of the podcast, where, what are the processes and systems that are in place so that certain tasks are done so that they're, everything is handled. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think, mm -hmm. and if somebody is confused and see, this is the, the great thing. We're, we're a team in dentistry. If somebody's mm -hmm. confused, then ask, because a lot of people right. don't want to ask the question or they're going to feel like I'm dumb because I didn't have the answer to the question. Oh, uh, no, right. it's more ignorant if you have a question and you don't ask it. I mean, that's a different way of looking at it. But if you're not clear, then just ask. But that takes right. a certain type of person to be able to say, A, you don't know everything, and B, I need help. Asking for help, I think a lot of people, it's almost like they think they get less points if they have to ask for help. And I've never understood <laughs> that. Um, yeah. We're not yeah. born knowing everything. Like you and I said in the very beginning, we're always learning. Um, yeah. So ask. But if you're, see, if you're always asking somebody or if you're reminding them, hey, did you check on the lab? Did you do this? Did you do that? Then I always ask people, because everybody has pockets in their scrubs, keep a notebook mm -hmm. in your pocket. 
I'm not asking you to memorize everything that happens in a day because we're so scattered going from one place to the other. Make a note and then Mm -hmm. mark all of those things down before you leave for the day to make sure everything's taken care of. Because we can't think about everything without taking notes, or at least I can't. I'm a huge note taker. Okay. But, you know, and it keep and it keeps me structured where, okay, if I, it, uh, you mean you want to see my color coded calendar or my Google calendar? I know what's happening, but if I didn't have that to help organize me, but that's what works for me. If that's not work, mm. if that doesn't work for somebody else, find something that does sure. and then stick mm-hmm. with it. So, apart from your pregnancy, which was a hard decision, right? Uh, what's one of the hardest decisions you had to make over the past year or two? Can you walk us through? your decision-making process at that time? Just within the last couple of years? It could be any, except we already discussed about your pregnancy, so maybe something else, so that Um, people get to know. It was a big decision for me to be able to... Either the, even though I, I, I knew my sister and I should, should not stay at that company together for the longevity, it took a lot for me to want to start my own company full time um, mm. because there's no safety net, right? It's, it's all mm. on me. Um, mm. And that, that was a big decision, but I'll tell you, I probably should have made it a whole lot sooner than I did. I do regret that. Mm. Mm. And, okay, and I'll so tell you why you, it's, it's not just, okay. it's not, you know, just being fluffy or whatever, but I feel like if I wouldn't have made the decision earlier, I would have been able to help more dentists. Okay. Okay. But, um, what made you take that decision eventually? You know, what was the breaking point for you? Like lady, I'm done with you. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. I basically it was, um, actually at the time when I was working for the pharmacy, um, I knew, that Lee wanted to stay there and one of us needed to go. And at the same time, my kids were very young in elementary school and Mm. there were some transportation issues with getting them to school and, and getting them home and different things. So it was like, everything was converging that the easiest thing to do would be to start my own company. And then that way I wouldn't have to worry about the transportation with the kids and different things. Um, that would, that wasn't worried about sales. I wasn't worried about being able to, or to handle contracts or to handle accounting or to handle certain things. The things that bugged me were, okay, what organizations can I become a part of so that my learning curve is as short as possible? And so I joined those and I had some, some great people that I talked with in the very beginning that were very encouraging and said, oh, you got this. This is, this is going to be easy for you. So it. It, it, it started with surrounding myself with people in the industry that were very helpful in, in helping me with that. Great. So, um, so do you have a mentor that who could, or, or, or a coach or somebody who helped you this journey um, of launching your own company, uh, Victory Dental Management? It's, it's funny, um, and I think a lot of your listeners probably know her, but um, her name is Teresa Duncan, and oh, yeah. she and I got to be very close when I was working um, with another company, and I just started asking her, hey, you know, how, how did you go about working, um, getting out of the office, creating your own company, and, and she's been a dear friend and has been for years now. 
Great. No, thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, everybody knows Teresa Duncan. Yep. Um, and if I have insurance questions, that's the first person I'm going to. <laughs> uh, it seems like I have to invite her now. Come on. You do. You you guys will do very well. Okay. Teresa is wonderful. Um, right. Thank you. Um, if you could go back in your, um, you know, uh, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you know, and you want to give advice to younger Lynn Legit or Leggett, sorry. Uh, uh, What advice would you give yourself? Being the recovering type A that I am, I would say to take more moments to enjoy just the present and, and to appreciate that because I always would rush off to the next thing. I don't Mm. think I really sort of took it in for the moment. Um, Mm. And especially with my kids getting older, I mean, one's going to be a junior in college and one's getting ready to be a freshman in college. So Mm -hmm. I've, Mm -hmm. I've always put them first. And I'm, and that's another reason why I'm glad that I had my own company because I could, I could decide my own calendar um, versus a company telling me where I was going to go and, 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 and timing and different things. But I will never regret spending time with my family. Um, Got it. And that's, but taking the time now, I even find myself now, I was um, not too long ago, mm-hmm. I was at the beach and I would, it would, took work for me just to relax and just to enjoy where I was. <laughs> and once I did, I was fine. But you know how you're on vacation and you're thinking, okay, I got to do this and this and this when I got back. Right. Over, right. over the years, I've gotten better about going, uh-uh, that'll take care of itself. Just enjoy today and, right. and you know, make those memories for what they are. So that's what I would well, tell my younger self to just chill yeah. out with that stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Now, if you have a giant billboard such that you could display a great message or quote for everyone to follow, of course, not about your company uh, or your your book. Uh, what would you like to tell people or the dental ward? A giant billboard is just hypothetical giant billboard. On the billboard, I would have just one word, and yeah. that word would be believe. Because okay. that your question makes me remember there was um, it was really great. It was a great basketball season, but. Mm-hmm. Um, every, at, at the end of every season, I, there's always an end of the season party. And I always give my players a gift. And this mm-hmm. particular team that year, they just worked through so many things. It was, it was a high school varsity team and mm-hmm. they learned so much on and off the court and compared to where we started, right. It's all the progress from beginning to the end, um, of the season. And mm-hmm. they needed to learn to believe in themselves and once they believed in themselves and what they were capable of doing, again, get out of your head, teenagers. Come on. It's, if I can teach you what you can do, but you got to get out of this thing. Um, mm. they, it was a bookmark that I gave them, and it was engraved in calligraphy. It was just the word believe. And mm. I've had so many players after that season, and this was years ago, that they would sure. say, Coach, I kept the bookmark. I had it in college, and when things were really rough, I opened it and I looked at it and thought about everything we accomplished. And it just gave me that next 
that encouragement that I needed to be able to go on, you know, a couple of them had really difficult pre-med classes in college and, and different things. So when things got yeah. tough, I wanted them to have a physical remembrance of whatever it is you can get through it. And a lot of, a lot of the players, it was up to them of how they wanted to interpret the word believe, but I think sure. it's, it, it's incredible. You need that encouragement. Life is hard. Mm. I mean, there are a lot of things going on and everybody needs to be encouraged. Yeah, I hear you. No, thank you. Um, that's a that's a good story. And uh, and I think belief is such a relatively small, it's one word and everybody can interpret it in their own way, in their own situations and, and still get that feeling of, I can tie it across this too. I can come, uh, that, that's beautiful actually. I like it. I like thank it. Thank you. Hmm. Now, um, now, next is one question, which is in three parts. Uh, something that you are excited about. Okay. Something uh, either in your business, in your personal life, uh, or or dentistry, COVID nineteen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> something that you're excited about. Something funny or absurd that you do, uh, and. Something that you've changed your mind since last one year, two years, or whatever. Okay. Time is not relevant here. Something you believed in something, but now you've changed the mind, you know. I would say what the first question is, what am I excited about? And I would say potential. Because I think this industry is, especially dentistry, is at a point where we can rethink about how we want things to be done. COVID has really brought about, I mean, we know the negative, but let's talk about the positive. It's enabling mm-hmm. us to be very creative problem solvers if we allow it to mm-hmm. be. Um, right. So the potential that could come out in, of our industry after all of this, I think is incredibly exciting. Um, the funny thing I do when I just need to just chill um, I don't know if anybody is a big Grey's Anatomy fan, but I love to dance it out. And if you watch the show, you know exactly what I said with Christina Yang and everybody just just yeah. dancing to whatever music. Um, okay. For me, it's probably going to be rap just because it's my basketball teams. And, and yeah. I, my daughter and I joke about this stuff all the time. So yeah. that's the funny, silly thing that I would do. <laughs> um, and Something you've changed your mind on. Something you've changed your mind on since last one, two, three, five years that you believed in something, but now you don't believe in it. You have changed the mind. Wow, that's really hard. Um, um, I, I don't mean to get political. So first thing that comes to mind, though, is... That's okay. I, I've changed my mind on... Um, I'd always hope that people would be able to get along better than they do currently. I think there's a big divide in our country and you can, you can take that however you would like, but I would, I, I thought that maybe at some point we would be able to get along more, but as within the last two years, that divide Mm. has been there and it's getting worse. And I used Mm. to think that, okay, this is just a short term thing. And and I don't know if I believe that anymore. I I hope I'm wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that, um, and of course we can change it. We can, we can change how, how we view things and, and how, what's our perception of things. So I think a lot of us, um, 
we like to see everybody to be able to get along more together in our country. Great. That's a, that's a great message. I think um, this is, uh, this is a good time to kind of wrap up uh, the podcast. We've been talking for two hours now, uh, but did you have any, any message for our audience? Um, uh, where can they find you? Um, and, and, and if you have anything to say to our audience, please do. I, I would say the, the before I give you my contact information, the um, the final thing is, you know, whatever it is that's holding you back from your dreams, whether it's in the dental office, whether it's personal, um, the only person that's standing in your way is you. There's so much out there that if you just reach out, you know, call somebody, um, just look for information, you can find it. So don't ever think that you're alone. Um, even if you want to reach out to me, And if I can help you with any of my resources or get you in contact with somebody that can help you, um, feel free, um, which I guess rolls into um, contact information. You can find me on, let's see, Twitter is going to be at Lynn Leggett 12. Um, Instagram is going to be B-Ball Coach 12. Imagine that, Basketball Coach 12. And um, the easiest may be email, which is going to be Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E at victorydentalmanagement.com, all spelled out. And if you forget that, then just go to my website at victorydentalmanagement.com and you can find all your information out there and you can contact me through the website. Great. Great. Um, thank you. Um, uh, I was just looking at my uh, screen. It's like two hours. We didn't realize it. I mean, we've been... <laughs> that was that was fast two hours. I mean... <laughs> That was fast, two hours. Um, I've never been able to talk about before, so thank you. I, I want 2.0 too. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Would you like to get a really small email a couple times a month to see what hashtag POD is up to? What are we reading? What are we listening to? What are we doing? What's stupid, funny, entertaining, and some weird stuff that we've gotten ourselves into? Then go to podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra. E-X-T-R-A That's right Podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra and you will get a really small email from us to give you that little extra kick and keep you busy exploring the world we travel. You can also find us on Facebook at podcastsofdentistry.com slash Facebook. Thank you for listening. Hashtag POD and I'll see you inside.